This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Helen Farmer with you on today's episode of Afternoons with me, Helen Farmer. We're talking self-care at Christmas, getting some alone time, keeping routines in place, even talking about budgets. We had the soul sister herself, Nikki Steele Osborne, in the studio. Plus, self-worth and self-esteem. How can they impact all areas of your life? What can be the root cause of perhaps not having what you need? Flora Castillon was in the studio to answer my questions and yours. We were discussing habit formation with a behavioural scientist. The root of his interest in this topic and how can you future-proof those January intentions? Plus, now to travel, rounding up some last-minute trips. And we were discussing weight loss medication, one of the hottest topics in healthcare right now with an expert endocrinologist. And we are talking self-care this hour. It can take many forms, but if you are struggling right now, please don't hesitate to reach out because Nikki Steele Osborne, a.k.a. the Scottish Soul Sister, is with us today. She's on a bit of a mission to help women in particular, with maternal mental health, with simple and sustainable self-care. I think sustainable is the key piece there, Nikki. How are you? I'm wonderful, thank you. How are you? Oh, that's the vibe I need this (laughs) afternoon. I need a bit of I'm wonderful. I'm all right. Yeah. (laughs) I know, I've got my mummy here though, so that always helps, right? I've got mum here. Shout out to the Scottish mummy in the the green room. (laughs) My mum's here as well, Not not in the studio, but in the country. And it's... um. It's amazing, actually, because mm-hmm. I think no matter how old you are, and even if you're a mum yourself, you know, my mum last night we were watching TV and she just kind of like put her hand on on my my socked foot. And I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, nice still to, need our moms. it's nice to have you here, mum. It I really, know. really is. So um, I think a lot of people are feeling quite overwhelmed yeah. right now. I think we've got this undercurrent, this kind of low thrum of stress because of what's happening in the world. Yeah. And then... We've got just an, awful, just an awful lot going on. So in, in terms of the conversations you're having right now with friends, with clients, what are people struggling with, Nikki? I do think that a lot of it comes down to expectation. There's something about Christmas or holidays and we are aiming for that perfect Magical. moment. Yes, yes. And I, you know, I was talking to mum earlier and I said, the minute you give yourself permission to cut yourself a break it actually changes. And I think communication is the biggest key to managing those expectations. So whether that's with family coming to stay over, Mm -hmm. if you're staying with family, or even just within your own household, it all comes down to the communication surrounding what happens at Christmas. It's hard though when people have different expectations because some people are really Christmas people and some people, you know, really aren't. And quite often they marry each other. Yeah. Um, Or they're your mother. Oh. She's like super Christmas. And you? Yeah, I like it. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't do all... But it's brilliant because my son is six now. So he's at this perfect age. So my, you know, my mum swooped in and they're making snowmen out of socks and rice and... You know, my OCD tendencies are kind of getting kicked off because it's like, where did that rice go? It's under the couch. Oh, my God. Look, this was me yesterday. I was like, um, <clears throat> I uh, can't find the cup that I put my smoothie in for the way to work. I'm trying to be calm here. But why does, where's my cup? <laughs> you know, like having, it, it, it adds a little bit of, a bit yeah. of, a bit of, a bit of fun. <clears throat> um, however, 
the the recipe I think that can be for disaster, and I'm talking about not necessarily my family, but for a lot of families, certainly out of the UK where Christmas is it's high pressure. You might have mm-hmm. people under one roof that maybe don't spend a lot of time together. Some people are not, yep. might not want to be there. And quite often, you don't really leave the house. You know, yeah. it's quite rare to have a bit of solitude of or quiet time, downtime over yeah. the holidays. And I think that becomes this kind of pressure cooker Absolutely. situation. And then you chuck in the fact that, you know, kids are off school, you are, you know, might be off work and the routine is out of the window yeah. as well. So yeah. I want to ask you about that, about... Maybe still having some kind of routines in place. Absolutely. Can that be beneficial? Absolutely, because we do. We fall out of the structure of our normal lives. You know, and particularly for us in this demographic who are living overseas, you don't see family for six months, a year at a time. And then it's this intense two weeks on top of each other. Mm-hmm. You know, before my mum and my stepdad came out, we had this conversation. And I said, look, I still need my morning walks, you know, can we, and I know it might sound pedantic, but can we sort out a rough schedule as to what we're going to do with our time? Mm-hmm. Because what happens is everyone gets up and it's like, what are we doing today? I don't know, what do you feel like doing? And next thing you know, it's 11 o'clock and right? no one's done anything. And it's like, do they want to be entertained as hosts? We feel we have to entertain. Sometimes they just want to sit in the garden with their grandbabies. They mm-hmm. don't need to do all that. But again, it'll come back to it. Have the conversations. And we've done that this time where... I had said, look, you guys sit in the garden with coffee and let us crack on and clean the house. You know, I've I've got routines. I don't have help at the house. We don't have domestic help or childcare. It's just us. But by doing this, by putting it out there, they get a rest. They don't have housework for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I get to do it my way because <laughs> I like to micromanage. You know, it just seems to be working where no one's getting stressed. We've said, let's do one thing a day. Because again, I feel like we put all this stress on ourselves sometimes and Mm. it's sitting back and going, okay, one thing a day, do you have to go and see the Burj Khalifa? You've seen it. Do you want to go back? (laughs) Well, not necessarily. Let's just go for a coffee somewhere, you know? You are absolutely a breath of fresh air, to be honest, because I might show you the notes on my phone during the headlines, which is, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, da, 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 da. because I do think we do feel the sense of responsibility of you're going to have an amazing time and yes. we're all going to have an absolutely magical holiday. Yeah. And as you say, all my kids really want to do, I mean, I did ask them to put together a little kind of wish list for when Granny and Grandpa were here. Um, all they really want to do is they want to, they desperately want to do a gingerbread making competition, yeah. like desperately, and we haven't got around to that yet. They have put on their list brackets hopefully opening presents on Christmas morning and they want to go to the park there it's, you go it's me it's yes, me going oh, I need to take them to time out market yeah. oh, I need to be you know well we're going to expo tonight which I, you know, I bought the tickets for and I was really getting yeah. organised and da 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 and the weather's beautiful. You and it know, is. It is. It's gorgeous nice just now. on the beach from time to time. So if this is something you are indeed struggling with, if you need a bit of a dose of good sense from the Scottish Soul Sister, get in touch. Up next, we're going to be talking about the importance of boundaries. And yes, budget two. A couple of good quality bees there. Nikki Steele Osborne, a.k.a. the Scottish Soul Sister, is in the studio. She's on a mission to help with maternal mental health, to help with the overwhelm that so many people are dealing with right now. Um, 
and I say overwhelm, I think to-do lists are going bananas. People have got sore feet and sore heads and crazy kids and, you know, it's all it's all a bit much. If it is feeling a bit much, and I'm talking obviously seasonally now, but I guess in life, what have you found useful in terms of the coaching you've done with clients, Nikki, to help people feel like they're getting a bit more of a physical grip on the task or tasks at hand? I feel like it's always actually more simple than we anticipate. We're always looking for that, like, groundbreaking technique that's going to help us with the overwhelm the right <laughs> and it's always you know my my space in this coaching world is always about the simple sustainable self-care and it's because I've lived and breathed it you know the things that I've implemented and learned in the last kind of five six years that's my foundations now for my own mental well-being would you mind sharing some of those just so we can pick your brains and steal absolutely. from you absolutely um so a lot of what I talk about is centering around meeting our own six human needs But the ways in which we do that, that's a deeper conversation. But the ways in which I manage it are to look at my habits and either implement new beneficial ones. But at the same time, it's looking at the ones that you need to kick to the curb. So things like waking up in the morning and lifting your phone straight away, you know, that is not always beneficial. So shifting these little habits, managing your time. Mm-hmm. You know, effectively, instead of running about like a headless chicken, I'm all about having some schedules, meal plans, talking about things like money. You know, the the, the uncomfortable conversations that no one wants to have. But Once the, you have them. I know, but the, you, they do hang over you, don't yeah, they? Yeah, absolutely. It's like this kind of, it's like, here, we're talking about our mums. My mum always says the stewing is worse than the doing. Yeah. And she's right with things like those kind of conversations. Yeah. You know, thinking about what lies ahead is often so much worse than actually dealing yeah. with, with the matter at hand. Um, so you mentioned earlier, you know, going out for your daily walks. Are there any, any other habits that we could perhaps borrow from Nikki? So the first thing I do when I get up normally, and this is the thing, is like understanding that any routines or anything you have in place, it doesn't have to be 100% of the time. I like to go for an 80-20 ratio. It's okay to fall out of a regular structure at times like now. It's the holidays. Mm -hmm. Give yourself permission to fall out from the structure. You know, on a normal Monday to Friday, I get up and do a seven-minute workout. And then I take the dog and go for a walk once I've had breakfast with my son and they guys have went to school. At the weekends, it's a bit more casual. We don't do that. But I do find that getting outside with the dog for a walk, being in nature, again, I leave my phone at home. You know, I'm just more aware of the sights, the sounds, feeling the cool air on your skin just now as well. Like, (laughs) it's amazing. Um, But that starts my day well. So when I start my day well, everything else tends to pan out better. I think that's really good advice in terms of trying to stay calm and feel capable and confident and positive at at this time as well. Because these little things, as you say, kind of chip away at us feeling like ourselves, you know, like having someone to stay or being a guest in someone's house or even things like, you know, the amount of food or drink that you're having, you know, more than anyone else. I've got that written down as well, like about alcohol intake just now in their food. Mm -hmm. And it's, again... No one's saying don't have fun. I'm not the fun police. But it doesn't mean that you have to for two weeks, you know, every day drink or every day stuff your face with stuff. It's Mm -hmm. like allow to have some of that, but still make some better decisions. Like yesterday we went for lunch. We had a little steaky the night previous, which was lovely, thanks to the grandparents being here. (laughs) And then we went to get some shopping and went for lunch. And it was like, do we go and grab KFC or McDonald's? And I was like, do you know what? Can we just go to like Paul? And I had avocado toast. And I just felt like, okay, that was a good decision. 
It's like breaking everything down into small decisions, but I knew that it would make me feel better. And it did. Yeah. Um, so I think communication, you touched on earlier in terms yeah. of, and this is something that I really struggle with, which is ironic given that I am a supposedly a professional communicator. Yeah. Um, these unmet expectations yeah. of, you know, I would love it if you could help me with this rather than getting annoyed when they don't and expecting yeah. everyone to be a mind reader. Yeah. Um, equally, you know, asking people when they come to stay, you know, do you want to be kept busy? You know, yeah. what, what's on your list? How can we help you do things if we're not able to drive you somewhere and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. Um, so communication, absolutely key, which ties us into boundaries a little bit. Um, so managing the expectations that are put on you yeah. and then also on others as well. Um, so what about recognising what is important to us, which boundaries we'd like to be observed and respected Nikki I think it's about having a respect you know I always think whoever is hosting you know obviously it's having a respect that it's their space you know so when I'm at mum's like you know they guys do the cooking I don't get involved because I just get in their way like we've got that understanding now and it's the same they've came here this time knowing that we will be the ones that will clean up and you know every time they try and wash a dish I'm like step away from the kitchen (laughs) right because that's my jam I want to do that but I think it's because we've explained it to each other. And like you say, that expectation of do you want to contribute? You know, are you going to be helping out with cooking? Mm-hmm. You know, would you like to babysit for us to let us go out? Because sometimes, you know, we think we have that expectation when grandparents are coming, they're just going to swoop in. But of course, they're not getting all that time with the kids daily. Well, so this is what You've I'm struggling. You've got to cut them a break, right? This is what I'm struggling with now is that I feel like because my mum and dad are in town that I should be entertaining them all day long without yeah. actually, and I did bring it up earlier this week, I said, oh, I feel terrible that I'm you know, working and I'm not around during the day. Yeah. Mum was like, all we want to do is hang out with the girls. Exactly. You know, we want, we want to help you which I don't accept for help very easily. Yeah. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Um, we, we want to help you and we want to, we want to spend time with the girls. Yeah. Like, that's why they are here. They're not here to be taken on a grand tour of the UAE. You yeah. know, they've been here, seen it, done it. Yeah. They want to be doing the crafting and the cooking and they're making sausage rolls right now and, you know, all, yeah. all the rest of it. And that, that's on me. Like, I need to remind myself that, that that's okay. That's, that that's okay. And that's it. We don't always take it. We've got to fight that, right? We've got to resist it. It's like, mm. it can't be that simple. You know, we must manifest some issues here. No. There's sometimes there aren't issues and we just create them. And just having that awareness and taking a beat and saying, okay, am I creating an issue right now? Like there's a space between, you know, that trigger and response thing. It's tapping into that and going, what can I do in that space before I create the scenario Mm -hmm. in my own mind? Like, what is that space? And often you'll find that actually what they're saying is is what they want to do. Absolutely. I wanted to lastly ask you about budget. And it is a little bit late in the day on the 21st of December to be thinking about (laughs) our Christmas spending. But it does tie into expectations and comparisons, which I think is a really, really tricky part of being a modern parent is you know what are people doing on Instagram oh my goodness look at where they're staying have you seen how many presents are under their tree and whether you're saying those things out loud to other people or if it's just your brain kicking in going oh gosh you know we haven't got our kids that many presents or oh you know whatever it might be so being true to yourself and being true to your budget yeah (laughs) absolutely and looking at it and going like what is the budget not only for gifts but often you know there are more outings right the kids are off school so it's like the coffee and the donut in the afternoon and, and you know this this applies whether you are affluent or not I think it's managing it and going right what is the expectation so for example you know my husband Kevin and I said right what are we spending on each other 
what is our budget for each other? Mm-hmm. So that way, no one feels bad either because there's nothing worse when one goes, you know, to town and spends a fortune and you've, like, got a boots smelly gift set <laughs> and you're like, oh. So we've managed that by saying, okay, it's like, whatever, you know, 500 yeah. dirhams each. Then what are we spending on Archie this year? Right, we've got these things. You know, and using a budget sheet to work it out so that you don't get overwhelmed because it is just one more day. Like, people spend a fortune on food and then they waste a lot of the food. Oh, my goodness. And it's, it's nonsense. I know. I thought, about, I thought about the food thing the other day. And actually, I haven't noticed it so much here, but in the UK, you see people going around the supermarket with two trolley yes. full, like overflowing trolley fulls. It's like, it's, what are you preparing for? Should I be buying all of this? I'm actually saying, how do you manage money in these cases? Are we expected to pay for everything for guests? Okay, this is a really interesting point. That's so. When my mum and dad arrived earlier this week, I put my card on my mum's phone. Yeah. So, for example, they went to Spinney's today to get stuff because we're having people over tomorrow night. And I was like, please, please, please use my phone. Yeah. And I did get a notification to say she spent, you know, 252 dirhams. Um, but they're paying for their own taxis, for example. Okay. With the tickets, um, I wanted to buy the tickets for Carol's tonight as a bit of a treat to them. Yeah. So what... It's really hard with my parents because they'll be like, no, 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 no. And they'll push 100 dirhams into my hand or yeah. my, or my handbag yeah. or something. And it's hard because I'm like, I'm 41 years old now. I have a salary. I love you. You know, it's very kind that you, you know, want to treat me. But I think it, it's, it depends so much on everyone's personal financial situation. Yes. Yes. Especially people have paid a lot of money to get here. I yeah. want to treat them while they're here. Yeah. And as long as both people feel like it's fair on on all sides, yeah. I feel like you've done a pretty good job. And I do. I think when you've spoken about, you know, you understand each other's, you know, roughly where they are financially. Yeah. And so we've kind of been doing it where it's like one night we'll pay for the dinner and the next night they're doing it. So yeah. we're, you know. Exactly. The day that dad was like, oh, well, let us get the, let us get, let us get the cinema. And I was like, no, no, I'm paying for the cinema tickets. My husband's paying for the snacks. And if you want to get lunch after for you and the girls, then that, that would be great. And I'd really appreciate it. But yes, it comes back to... But... Communication. Yes, and a great tip that I got from my mother-in-law a long time ago, um, you know, because I think you and I are similar in personality and we're not always the most um, open to receiving, right? So one of the things that she said to me a long time ago was, please learn to smile and say thank you. (laughs) And it stuck with me and it was because they had gifted us money for Christmas and I was going, oh my God, this is too much. And, And she said, look, we don't get to see you all year. This is our way of treating you. Please learn to smile and say thank you. We wouldn't do it if we didn't have it. I think that is... So there is an element of that too. There's an element of that running through a lot of families right now. And whether it is getting a disgusting jumper... Yeah. (laughs) Or someone, you know, putting the dishwashing, you know, dishwasher away and you not necessarily agreeing with it. Learn to smile and say Say thank thank you. thank you, yeah. Nikki, thank you so much. Thank Um, you for for anyone that I mean, you've got some great resources on on website and your Instagram as well. For anyone who wants to contact you direct or indeed avail of some of your advice, what's the best way of getting in touch with you? So I'm on Instagram as the Scottish Soul Sister and Facebook and LinkedIn. The website is the Scottish Soul Sister. There you go. If you want that, you can just send me the word soul. I will send you the link. Wishing you and yours a lovely, lovely Christmas ahead. And And I'll see you on the other side, no doubt. Happy holidays. I know so many of us think about that new year, new you thing come January, but we're getting a bit of a jump on it now. We're talking about limiting beliefs and ultimately self-worth, self-love 
where those converge and how they're different with Flora Castillon, who is a limiting beliefs and mindset specialist. I've got so many questions for you. and I've had loads of messages on my Instagram about self-worth and self-esteem as well, Flora. So thank you. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Good. I love your little Christmas jumper. Thank you. um, Nice and red like love. It is. Well, we are (laughs) talking about love today. And I think this idea of self-love is quite a confusing and quite an uncomfortable topic for a lot of people because we think about self-love and it's about, oh, it's about, you know, I love myself. And that sounds quite uppity and arrogant, but we're going to be maybe changing some minds about that today. Um, Before we get on to that, I wanted to ask you... um, You've been in Dubai for how long now? Almost seven years, uh, eight years almost, yeah. And um, what are some of the common challenges that you're hearing from people when it comes to mindset, limiting beliefs, their, their self-worth? Have you noticing any patterns over the years? Yes, but they're not specific to Dubai, right? There is just, and they're not specific to genders. It's that sense of, I'm not I'm struggling and I have all these symptoms coming up like anxiety and imposter syndrome and self-doubt and not liking myself, not loving my body, not feeling confident. And the one thing that they all have in common is that tie us back to that perception we have about love and how we're being loved. Mm -hmm. And that's at a really young age where beliefs are formed from little babies, little kids coming to the world with like, you know, just super confidence, waiting to be fed and to be held. Open heart. Yeah, just expecting to Mm -hmm. be loved. And then as they start discovering the world and the adults around them who are actually struggling and and doing their best most of the time, uh, they start understanding, oh, if I'm being shouted at, maybe that means I can't say this or I can't express myself, right? Oh, when I, I'm just being spontaneous, I'm being told to be quiet. And it's all this like relationship, of, oh, mom doesn't have time for me today. And that sense of rejection. And then because beliefs are created mainly the core one between two and seven, we start creating rules about how we should interact mm-hmm. with the world. How we should present ourselves to the world to be accepted ultimately. And behave as well. Yeah, behave and feel and and we human of love. We need to feel connected. We need to feel valued. We mm. need to feel seen and recognized. So th- is this talking about how us idea of self worth forms even from the age of two? That's so early. And my you know my kids are now six and eight. I'm like, oh gosh, is it too late? <laughs> is it too late? I always get that question when I worked with people, and they're like. Oh, oh my God, this is great. We've dealt with this. We now understand the belief I had that has been running in the subconscious for so long. But what about my children? And I'm like, look, the best thing I can tell you is to tell your children you love them, but not saying unconditionally because they don't know what it means, but not to have it attached to a situation. Or a behavior. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's just this, I love you. It's standing in front of a mirror, which most people can't even look at themselves right in the eyes. If I mean, I challenge anyone tonight to look at themselves in their mirror, really in their eyes, and it's often really challenging because mm. 80% of the world is still struggling with self-esteem and self-worth. But going back to kids, I think that sentence, you know, you are enough, you are good enough, is so powerful. And now in some school, it's starting to be said and talked about. I think if we can go through our life knowing that we are enough, we're already gaining a better sense of who we are. 
We're talking self-worth today. Flora Castion with us today. She believes that love or lack of it influences so many aspects of our lives. And we're going to be talking a little bit about this idea of self-love versus loving yourself. A message here saying, what's the difference between self-love and narcissism? Interesting question there. We're going to be exploring that next. Laura Castillon with us today. She is a specialist in mindset and limiting beliefs. She's an RTT practitioner as well. And we're talking about self-worth. What forms it? Is it ever too late to boost it? And why ultimately loving yourself can have so many far-reaching impacts on so many aspects of your life. This idea of self-love, I find a little bit ick. <laughs> because... I love it. I love it. Because I actually have, can I share with you a Two-second story from a client from literally two weeks ago. So she came to work with me, uh, lots of negative thoughts about herself and her weight. And um, we did some good progress and we were talking about session, well, the second session, and I go, how? And I give a hypnotic recording to help rewire your mind on a uh, neurons level. And she goes, yeah, there's one word, Flora, it really doesn't work for me. And I said, what word? And she said, worthy. Mm. she's like that's gross <laughs> and I'm like okay and I smile and she's like I'm always smiling because I said well soon you're going to love that world anyway and she said oh the word deserve as well makes me feel uncomfortable and I also don't like when other people use it and anyway we went to the root cause which was related to a childhood once again because that's where we start our, our core beliefs and fast forward four weeks later we're doing a catch up she has all those great updates to give me and then I go even mentioned the word I mean have you been good with her she and she shrugged her shoulder and she went of course I'm worthy I mean come on (laughs) she's 42 years old and I was like I told you (laughs) and the reason for that and it's never too late and that's the best news and the massive relief I can really bring to our audience that if we create a belief we can dismantle it the trick is to understand why what is the belief? When did we create a belief in which, you know, set of circumstances? Why did we do this? Was it a way of coping? Was it a way of defending ourselves? Was it a way of punishing ourselves? Mm-hmm. And then once you understand that, then through neuroplasticity and neuroscience and, and the, the, the strength and the power of words, because the mind learns by repetition, by changing our language, we can reprogram ourselves to love ourselves. And I think the word self-love and self-esteem they don't really mean a lot to us until we get it, until we get that intrinsic sense of, I love you. I love you, Helen. I love you, Flora. Like, I love someone that I truly love. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, I know it seems like a weird concept, but the minute you can let go of a belief that you're not worthy of love or you're not good enough, you feel that love. I feel it in my heart and in my veins, and I didn't feel it for many years. So, oh. <laughs> A lot of people asking for a bit of clarity and you, no name on this one, you can be anonymous saying, what's the difference between self-love and narcissism? Yes, I think, so I'm glad that narcissism has come up 
in the world of psychology and now we understand it better. However, I want to highlight it that it's still quite a big mystery and for it, a lot of psychologists. And, it, and it's also quite misused. It's think, very misused. I think some people, if they're in a relationship with someone who they don't necessarily agree with or there's a behavior they don't like, people are very quick to go narcissist. I am so glad you're saying that because that's what I asked my class. I said, let's just, let's understand, let's break it down. You know, someone who doesn't love you the way you love them, who's maybe selfish or taking care of themselves or not as involved, is not narcissist. Narcissist comes with very specific traits, and that's another totally different topic. But narcissists are people who have a huge issue with self-love. They're not obsessed about themselves out of this thing they're so wonderful. There's a lot of pain living there, mm -hmm. but they have such a strong disconnection with other humans that they're abusive that they're manipulative, but they're very consistent with it. So I think we need to be careful with the word narcissist. But I think when the question was asked, it was maybe I'm wrong and tell me, Ellen, if you didn't perceive the same way, because that is self-love a bit egocentric exactly. or, um, you know, just thinking about me. It's like the way we operate as human, and that's what I do every day trying to show people is, It's by how you treat yourself, how you love yourself, that you're going to be a mirror for others to treat you. Which I think as a parent is actually really, really key. I think that's wonderful to, you know, to have that idea of I value myself, I value my time, I am worthy. And to be modelling that for your kids is really special. Which brings me to another message we've had for you, Flora, saying, please no name. Um, but I wasn't shown much affection or even felt loved as a child. And I honestly thought my upbringing was normal until I saw other families as a teenager. Currently, I feel blocked trying to express love to other people and ex-girlfriends have commented on this. Is this just the way I am? And how would I even change? I mean, a huge amount of self-awareness there, but it sounds like this has been a tough time. Yeah, and really good for you for putting it out there. And There's a belief, and I don't know what it is. I can't tell you what your belief is, but there's a belief behind it that you can't receive and you can't show affection. However, the, the moment you can find that belief that is running like a software in, your, in the background, then you will be able to be more affectionate and more open to other people. Like th There is a connection here that you don't feel you can give it and you can receive it, but I don't know what the narrative and the story is behind it. Mm -hmm. When you're doing a session, what are some of the questions that you would be asking or situations that you'd be going to with a client in order to establish that route, Flora? So I work a lot on the subconscious, right? Now, subconscious is 95% of our mind, <laughs> scarily. We like you and I today, we're 5% of our brain. That's crazy. Like when, as, as soon as we wake up. But I would really go back to through a certain method that we're using to when, wh why are you feeling you can't be affectionate? Why are you feeling you can't receive touch? Mm -hmm. And then there's memories coming back. And the, the beauty about memories, they're not necessarily what you think they are and they're not necessarily a huge trauma, right? It's a little kid who interpreted things around him or her, in this case, this gentleman, and has created an understanding of the world through the eyes of a child and now it's carried through this gentleman's adult life does that make sense it does it does it but it, it's so rare that you actually pause to reflect because you know as this listener saying you know is this just the way I am now is this my personality is this how I'm wired you know can I even change that because we don't we just go through life thinking that this is who I am this is how I move through the world this is how I was raised these are my values this is normal and to want to change it takes a huge huge amount of a self-awareness and a huge amount of work 
um, because it's hard. It's hard to face up to, you know, maybe not liking an aspect about yourself. It's hard to think about, oh, gosh, could I even even do this? Um, so to people talk a lot, you know, about doing the work, which, you know. I know, and a, there's so many different ways. To and, do it, yeah. and, you know, the way I do it is fast, but there's other ways to do it. But I think it's it's also being able to communicate. I mean, this gentleman, I feel for him because I want to help him right now, right? Mm. But it's just... Being able to say, hey, I'm not used to be really affectionate. Like, could we go slowly? And what is, because he has a love language, you know. So look at the love language. There's a great book that is written. I think you've had Charlie. I'm obsessed with the love language. Yeah, so you've had Charlie on, on online uh, quite a few times. Look, what, what what is your love language? What do you need to receive at this point in time from others and communicate it? Mm-hmm. But also try and step out of your boundary and give a little bit to that perfection person. if their love language is it's, touch and physical. If you do want to catch up on that podcast, um, you can just look for uh, Charlotte Spurway was on the show with us a few months ago talking about the five love languages. But as you say, the book is fantastic. There's even a love languages for kids, which I did. I did the quiz with mine. One of them was, yes, gift giving. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> and it's Christmas. <laughs> the other one was about quality time. So it was really, really fascinating. Um, in the studio with us this afternoon is Flora Castillon. She is a specialist in mindset and limiting beliefs. And we're talking about how love or ultimately lack of it, as we just heard from this listener, can impact so many areas of your life. Up next, we are going to be looking a bit at parenting styles, at life decisions and goals. We've had a number of messages we're going to come to, some relating to romantic relationships as well, but also feeling really self-conscious, having low self-esteem. So boosting confidence as we move into the new year. Joining us live in the studio and live on Facebook, Flora Castillon. We're talking about limiting beliefs. She's a mindset specialist and we're looking in particular at self-worth because she believes that love is this universal struggle and not having enough of it or indeed feeling unloved impacts so many different aspects of our lives from our parenting styles to how we socialize even how we take care or don't take care of ourselves but interesting Flora from the messages coming in a lot of it is tying to romantic love and I wondered if that echoes a lot of the issues that people are coming to you with. Well, the irony, a lot of people come for me for work. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because a lot of people don't feel valued or respected at work okay. or don't feel they can stand up or, uh, you know, set boundaries at work, right? And then they neglect their personal life and it doesn't feel good. And then we slide into personal life as well. Mm-hmm. I do have people coming for me for personal life, but I think today we're really feeling it. I think it's the end of the year. People are reviewing how they feel. Christmas is coming. Christmas can be lonely. It's also going back to family saying, oh, you're single again. Oh, yeah. Are you just separated? Mm-hmm. Or, or maybe they don't like your partner and it's just really bloody hard, hard. work <laughs> when it should be fun. Well, let's go to the text line. And as I said, yeah. you don't need to put your name on those messages if you'd, if you'd rather not. Anonymous message here saying, how do I find and improve my self-worth and self-esteem? Why do I always end up in relationships where I don't feel valued? I was cheated on eight years ago. Since then, I feel damaged and I seem to be in a cycle of meeting men who treat me like rubbish. Oh, I mean, to say being there is the understatement. I think I a lot of people... I was going to say the same. So please don't think we're like this heroine who's having this like shiny life. We've gone through our fair oh, share. Oh my goodness, I look back. Oh <laughs> yeah. my God, I look back like 50 years um, ago. You know. Wow, he was a stinker. What were you doing? <laughs> yeah, Truly. exactly. And, and for me, you know, I, I was with someone who was very challenging for many years and didn't treat me well. But my last relationship was amazing. You know, because suddenly I had that shift. But let's talk real here. 
why would you go back to men who don't treat you well? Oh, women, by the way, works both ways, who mm. don't treat you well. It's because the mind doesn't like change. And I know it sounds super basic and it sounds like, well, what do you even talk about this? But I want you to really like, not tattoo it on your arm, but really make a good note of this because your mind doesn't know what's right or wrong. It's always going to like what it, you already know. It's looking for patterns. It's, it's not even looking for patterns. It's looking for no change. For familiarity. Right? So what's happening is everything starts with a thought that leads to an emotion that leads to a situation, a behavior. And then that's going to reinforce the thought. And then the mind, as it's reinforcing the thought, is going to look for confirmation about, for example, I'm always attracting terrible men. I never have someone treating me well. And then you feel down and you don't feel great and you don't feel maybe attractive or valuable or interesting. And therefore, you're not showing your best side of you because you don't feel great. And therefore, it's like, well, yeah, no, I'm not that great. Therefore, I'm going to attract someone who's not great and treating you well, right? Mm -hmm. So you get stuck in that loop. But the second thing is, so I'm really inviting you to stop for a second and go, okay, oh God, what am I doing? I'm going to tell my mind because you need to speak to yourself. The words you tell yourself are so important. They're like a blueprint for your mind to just take you in a direction. So just say, it's just not just, say to yourself a little bit more every day, I deserve better. I'm going to look for a man who is loving, who is caring. I'm someone who deserves, and I know it might be hard at first, and I'm not saying fake it until you make it. I'm just saying bring those words in to start interrupting the pattern. So every time you think that, or you're starting to get close to someone that way, you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm changing my story. I'm in charge here. So, so I'm just trying to think about what this looks like in practice. So let's say, I don't know, you're swiping on an app or less likely right now, you know, you're, you're out and you find yourself gravita gravitating towards a type. Does that mean you should ignore your instincts and go for someone completely different because hopefully they might treat you better? Because we are, you need to have that kind of spark with someone, you know, and if, if it's someone who's not your type, you're like, oh gosh, this feels like hard work. I get it, but at the same time, Helen, we've all done it like this. I can feel there's something slightly off, but I'm not going to look at it, <laughs> yeah. right? Maybe the way you've just been spoken to, maybe the way it's just interacted with, I don't know, making it up a waiter, yeah. uh, the way that for five days, even though there was a commitment to meet up, you're not being messaged. It's just politeness. Like, you know, sometimes for me, it's the basics are showing a sign. Yes, we're complex. We're, yes, we all hurt. Yes, relationship brings the worst trigger in us, but that's for us to heal them. Mm -hmm. But I think... We know there is a. We know when it doesn't feel right. You're lowering your standard and you're making excuses. Mm -hmm. When you're starting dating someone, is not yet when you're getting in the depths of them. Makes sense. So if there's big warning sign and this person cannot apologize, cannot be consistent, cannot be respectful of you, it's already massive alarm bell and it's saying, "I'm going. I'm choosing me, and I'm going to walk away from this now." This is like. This is what so many people need to be going into the new year with. Flora Castion with us today. Now, you mentioned work before, and that's a big thing that people come to you with. And this is work-related, but maybe you want to mm. scratch the surface a little bit. BB says, hi, both. Um, I've gotten a lot better than I used to be, but I still seem to have crippling self-doubt and shyness. And I do feel like it's keeping me from success in my personal and professional life. I get really nervous talking to people at work. Add in any confrontation and I crumble. Um, this is mostly with people in positions above me. It's like I go back to a little girl, absolutely terrified of being in, t in trouble with an angry teacher. 
Um, I take criticism extremely badly and my worst fear would be being called out publicly on poor work. I also think people look at me um, in public. I get really self-conscious, worrying that I look weird. I think about every social interaction I've had during the day before I go to sleep and cringe. Please help. I can't carry on like this. You know, some of the things we're, we're talking about today are, you know, an ideal world kind of, you know, boosting how we feel about ourselves in, in small ways and small tweaks. But this, I think this message really speaks to actually how it can impact so many ways that we navigate situations, personal, professional. And I'm really glad what you're listening today, to be honest, because I feel like, Flora, hopefully you can help out this listener because this, as she says, I, I say she, he. Yeah, she kind of keeps going and I got a little chill here because, yeah, it's bad and manner, but it's crap. It's, it's, it's not good. It doesn't feel good. I think there's, look, there's a lot here to cover, so we'll try and go top line. But first of all, I think the dynamics at work, we need to take a step back here. Everybody at work is a human being. Like, even the person that are above you are coming with their struggle. It could be anger. It could be guilt. It could be that they don't feel good themselves. You might think your boss, like, just start taking a step back. But in everything that this um, person said is, it's all about how others are viewing her. But trust me, most people actually don't really care that much because they have their own narrative running as well. <laughs> We're all main characters in, in, in our own movie. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm really not depreciating at all how you feel. But once again, I know it sounds foreign and I'm more than happy to be contacted afterwards to answer questions, but it's very much about changing that narrative. If you tell your mind, I'm this little person that feels like a little girl in front of other people, take one little step at a time, do that presentation where, you know, you breathe in and you're like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to succeed or going to even speak to them in a room. Couple of little tricks because I can't cover as much as I want today. Start putting saliva in your mouth it's like there are uh, senses in your mouth that goes back right back to your nervous system. Like when you're kissing someone, you have saliva, right? It's comforting. So when you're in front of these people, before you go and meet them, even though you can do it super discreetly, swirl that saliva around. Go in the toilet or go and, I, and just stroke your arms like we're human beings of touch and give yourself a hug. Maybe you think it's odd. It's working really well. So please do it more and more. It's very comforting because what's happening is in this situation at work, you're in constant survival. Mm -hmm. You've told your mind that work is difficult and dangerous and you can't cope. If you tell your mind, we're okay, and actually look around you because your mind is working with survival. So it's thinking you are death threat. That's because from a primitive wiring, we work like this. But actually, and I gave this tip to um, staff at COP28, we were so stressed. And I said, okay, take a moment and go, okay, my desk is here. I'm getting food. I have the water. I have a bed tonight. Because your mind is taking Everything you think is is difficult and challenging as a life threat, and you need to calm down your nervous system. I think that calm down is. I think so many people, and I include myself in this a lot right now, feeling really heightened, really up. I'm I'm sorry, we're on Facebook Live, but I'm putting my hands above my head. <laughs> really heightened, like really in our heads. You know, we're thinking about what's happening in the world. You know, the to-do list is insane. You know, we're not able to pause because you know, my God, if we pause, it's going to overwhelm us. And it's just go, 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 go. But as you say, by having some touch points, you know, the desk is here. I have water over there. There's a warm bed tonight. There's food in the fridge. I have some friends. I have some family. That's but maybe people don't have that many maybe. friends or family either. But I'm sure you have at least one, one person. person yeah. And that's why you need to tell your mind. I am loved by this person. I'm safe. 
I'm safe. Mm. And and once you can, because it's it's really physical, once you can download the spinning of your mind, then that's when you start getting the positive word. And I know you're going to say to me, it's impossible. But I'm not asking you to say I'm gorgeous or I'm a queen, though that would be the next level. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's where I get really uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's what we need to work on, Helen. Uh, but it's it's like, you know, I'm good. I've done this work many times. I can complete my task. And when you think you can complete your task, or most of them, because remember, most people don't know what they're really doing at work. We right. always think everybody knows. We're all just giant children. <laughs> <laughs> we just know, but seriously, like most people do not know what they're doing at work uh, in like 100% of their job description and just go, okay, I've done this. I'm good. So when you think, okay, I've done this before. I can do this. How does that make you feel? It makes you feel a bit calmer. It makes you feel a little bit more confident. And what happens when you do this? Well, you calm down, you take better decisions. You might be a bit more able to communicate to other people. We've run out of time. I haven't run out of questions and we haven't run out of messages. Flora, thank you so, so much for coming in. I think it's a really, really timely chat. And I hope it's helped people listening today to check in with themselves and think about what they what they want from life and ultimately the role we have in improving that. You know, we we are not a fait accompli, you know, you know, our thirties, forties, fifties. You know, there's still work to do. There's still improvement. There's still life and adventure and discovery and, and wonderful things ahead. Oh yes, there is. Flora, for anyone that wants to contact you, what's the best way of getting in touch? So it's Flora F L O R A Mindset Coach on uh, Instagram. On Facebook, it's Flora Minds. Oh, sorry, Flora Castillon Life Coach. And my website is going live tonight or tomorrow oh, because congrats. we've redesigned it. Uh, so it's www.floracastillon, C A S for sugar, T I L O N dot com. Thank you very much, my Helen. My pleasure. If you want to send me the word mind, I will send you those links to make it even easier. Flora, thank you so, so much. We're talking winter travel trends now. Is it too late to pack your bags and head to the airport? One man that says, no, it's not, is the leisure manager at Denata Travel, Matt Flemix. You've Your bags are packed. You're heading off on Saturday. How are you, Matt? Hi, Helen. Uh, thanks for having me again. Yep. Pleasure. Heading back to the UK on Saturday, uh, Saturday morning to Manchester. So last minute trip back to see the family. No disrespect to Manchester or indeed your family. But what you have got on this list is pretty exciting. I'm with you, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Would you rather be going to... Well, I don't know, let's let's talk trends. When What I love about, about you guys is you've got, you get so much data from obviously, you know, the calls and the bookings. Um, what are some of the... Well, let's, let's run it down. The top five most booked international destinations for people from here in the UAE. Matt, not, I would put on the top of the pops music, but I haven't got it to hand. In at number five. Uh, well, at number five, we've actually got Azerbaijan, which is just about, well, that and the UK, which is number four. Those are about the only cold weather countries that are in the top five. Um, so a lot of people at winter still do go to the, the real sort of winter sun areas. Um, but Azerbaijan, we've seen some really good demand for, for ski there. Really good value compared to mm. the Alps and Japan, which we'll talk about later. Um, and that nice short flight as well so that helps um is there christmas christmas markets and things like that it's not, not really? it's not as much that sort of thing there i think skiing. i think you're better off going into europe itself for yeah. that um but th- there's often in places like that in georgia there's there's sort of 
you know, their version of. So lots of little markets and things like that going on in the main squares anyway. So Azerbaijan and then the UK and then... Then we've got Turkey, which... Um, Trying again, to not make a turkey joke. <laughs> <laughs> again, that's, that's an interesting one. So um, yeah, a lot of people will be taking flights there home, I guess, as well. Same as UK, mm. which is our, our number four. But um, it's year round, isn't it? Istanbul's always great to visit. Um, oh, not mean, so much the coast, but certainly Istanbul and some of the cities are very interesting. Absolutely right. We went to Istanbul, but it was, it was in the winter months. But yeah, you know, go Going in from the cold weather, you know, into the souk, you know, hot spiced apple tea and oh, it was, yeah, it's, yeah, it's su- surprisingly cold though. The first time I went in February, I, I didn't Bitter. pack a coat and that was very, I had big regrets afterwards. Yeah, well, we, we went to the souk and we bought what's become known as the mashmina, which was the man's pashmina. Um, because, yeah, we hadn't quite realized that February in Istanbul, a bit, a bit chilly on the bum. Um, speaking of winter sun... Maldives always does well for you guys. Has it made an appearance? Yeah, Maldives is next. That's second most popular. Um, there's so many resorts there now that we are still being informed there's availability as well. So many routes in. So um, there is some last minute stuff. But I mean, it's the perfect time to go, isn't it, really? So um, that's in at number two. And, and number one is one of our other biggies, which is Thailand. Um, really? Incredible. Yeah, incredible sort of year and a half Thailand's had, it, I guess, from from coming out of what was happening a year and a half ago and, mm-hmm. and fully opening up. And I guess a lot of people had been there many years ago, of sort of my generation, and it was well worth a revisit. Um, but it's always, always interesting for first timers. And, and as you probably know, the locals in, in this market love it as well. We're hopefully going in March. We've got a really big school break coming up, I think. Mm. Um, so hopefully going there. We went to Bangkok for Christmas about uh, 17 years ago. And it was just this, I think about this being sensory overload. It was absolutely brilliant. You do see a lot of Santa there, don't you? I was in Asia about that same time as well, backpacking and did Thailand and Vietnam and all that sort of stuff. And it was surprisingly Christmassy, I'd say. There you go. Um, We're talking epic winter itineraries. Can we talk about Japan? Very much so, yeah. Yes, please. Um, Are we skiing? What are we doing? Yeah, we're skiing. I mean, you, you can do it with all the other stuff as well, but we, we just had our team travel to, to Japan. Um, so quite a few people went and, and tried out the new Club Med Resort there, the Kuroro Grand. Um, where, so where in Japan is it? That's on Hokkaido um, on the Northern Island. So it's about a two-hour flight um, from, from Tokyo. Um, really easy to get to. Anyone that's read Murakami books and things like that, they're often on, set on Hokkaido. Mm-hmm. Um, so much more rural in the summer, obviously. And, and in the winter, it's fantastic for snow. The season lasts really long. The, if you check our Instagram page as well, there's been lots of snow already. Um, so um, it's really reliable for the snow, um, whether you go early or late in the season. Um, and Club Med, who we've spoken about before, have, have very much gone in big in, in Hokkaido as well. Um, some fabulous results there. So could you go year round? Would you have to go for the snow or would there be things to do in the summer as well? There's things to do in the summer as well. I'm not sure that the Club Med resorts open in the summer. In, in France it's and in the Alps and stuff, there's some of them do. But um, Hokkaido itself, if you went in the summer, would be more around hiking and things like that, which mm-hmm. I, I guess any mountain destination is the same. But I would say certainly if you go in the, the spring summer autumn you'd probably want to do tokyo osaka kyoto things like that um whereas in the winter then hokkaido is well worth a look and obviously club mad known for its proper all-inclusive so are we getting in obviously flights accommodation things like ski passes yeah absolutely ski even more so than than usual with the club mad in japan you're getting so much there as well um the, the activities can include some horse riding, some trekking, the, the, the professional ski instructors, the seven different levels. So everything from 
beginner to where I am, which is just about beginner, and then everything <laughs> everything up from there. <laughs> um, so um, there's there's the hot springs, obviously, as well, the onsen for which Japan's so famous for um, the cuisine there as well. There's there's obviously Japanese local food, so you can cook it yourself in the hot pots or um, have it have it done for you as you watch. Um, yeah, oh, so it's incredible gosh. range of things to do there. That sounds really really special. I've just had some friends come back from Club Med in France. And my gosh, it looked absolutely incredible. Mm. Is that on your list? It is as well. Yeah, ah. yeah. So we, we have Club Med in, in the Alps now as well. You you probably noticed that, that the snow's come really early this mm. year. Um, we had a, a whole dump of it over the Alps about a month ago and it's it's still there. Um, so the, the season started really, really well there. We've um, we've also just had someone out in, in Alpe d'Huez, um, which is That's one of the very high was. resorts. Okay, great. Um, in that sort of area as well, there's Val d'Isère, there's Val Terrain as well. And they're all very high so it's it's good to go at uh, early in the season and late as well um and again it's, it's seven night packages for both japan and france at that time of year because it is super peak mm-hmm. um but everything is included um you can fly into Lyon or into geneva to get there and once you're there it's it's the lessons it's the kids clubs it's absolutely everything looked after so you don't have to worry about anything all right matt if we're not skiing how about some shopping <laughs> um prague um, a Chloe producer is currently in Germany looking around their Christmas market. Is it maybe too late to squeeze in a little a little trip to Europe? It's not too late. The the Christmas markets in Prague, I believe, run until about the sixth of January. Um, it's it's going to be tight for availability now, but there are there are little pockets around certainly in. I think, as, as we've mentioned before, if you fly on New Year's Day, for example, or, or New, Year's, New Year's Eve, then you might, you might find some availability. Um, it's, it's very Christmassy anyway, I guess. Mm. Christmas markets are not. So even, even for the next two months after that, Prague's a bit of a sort of fairy tale look to it, really. Um, you know, it's the bridges and the, the castles and the palaces and all that sort of thing. So whether there's festive markets or not, it feels pretty festive. Um, and, and there's some really nice places to stay there as well. It's such a walkable town from the old town square out to, to various other squares there as well. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's a very romantic destination. Is there a deal to be had? Not so much deals now, I guess. There's, there's very good pricing. There's very good options. Um, we've got a, a three-night trip to, um, to stay at the Inside by Melia, Prague, which is right in the old town. Um, and that includes the flights uh, as well and private transfers. And that's a really sort of pleasingly round number of from 4,000 dirhams per adult. Um, again, you, you might struggle a little bit over actual festive dates, but just before, just after, um, then we might be able to get it a bit lower than that All as well. Right. Matt Flemix with us today from Donata Travel. Um, it was on my list to make it to Lapland this year, and we haven't. Um, so I know a lot of people, I mean, I'm trying to unfollow people on Instagram who are currently there because it looks amazing. But for people who are looking to get this in the diary for next year, you guys are definitely the ones to speak to because... You've got it all. Hometown of Santa Claus, you know, even your igloo, snowmobile and so much more. So it will depend on the itinerary, but I'm going to be speaking to you guys soon. Um, We've just been talking about Thailand. Um, What about New Year's Eve? Um, We're going to go camping. (laughs) What about something a little bit more glamorous? Well, I'm still looking for ideas myself back in Dubai. So so please share any you've got with me. Um, I want to... highlight our, our home country i guess for that and and it's it's very uh, london yeah a bit, bit of london is 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 great in the new year isn't it i mean i i have issues with um with the uk in winter but december doesn't count december in in london is <laughs> incredibly festive um it's a great place to visit there's a winter wonderland obviously as well you know the, the fireworks over over new year um boat trips on the thames all that sort of stuff and, and great shopping from sort of boxing day onwards as well Aww. um so it, it's got a beautiful feel to it before the attrition of sort of january and february starts um, 
Um, and because again, there's so many, so many hotels in London, so many options, we can always find availability there as well. And with the huge number of flights per day, we can still squeeze you on there. Okay, it's not too late. Lastly, for those of us who are staying in the UAE, and I'd like to say I'm very happily staying in the UAE. I think the weather right now is amazing. Um, lots going on. Um, but it is quite nice to sneak a little, a bit of a change of scene in, whether it's for a, f- a few nights or even just one night. Um, any last minute destinations, deals, new hotels even, Matt, that you think are well worth our attention at the minute? Well, I think that one of the old favourites is is well worth another look. We've got Atlantis the Palm, um, and that's often so full at this time of the year, but because we've got the Royal this year, I think quite a few people have decided to give that a go this year. So there's still a little bit of space at, at, on the Palm itself, on the original. Um, the minimum stay for this festive period is only two nights now as well, currently. We can get two night stays when usually it can be a lot longer than that mm-hmm. because it's so full. Um, so at the moment, this year, I think would work really, really well for a couple of nights uh, at, at the Atlantis. Um, it is more expensive than some, obviously, and there are big reasons for that. Um, but we can get you a couple of nights stay in an Ocean King room from about three seven ninety per person. And that's for, that's for the two nights and all the entertainments and everything that's included with being there. What if that is a little bit rich for my blood this time of year, Matt Flemex? We've got some other stuff. We've got Lapita as well, um, which is getting you out of the city a little bit as well. So just the one night there, no, no minimum stay. Um, that includes access to the parks there as well and all the entertainments. Um, and you up to 11 they stay and eat for free so that's from 560 per adult and you can stick your little one in for free as well love the sound of that there's absolutely loads on um, on the website and of course if you give the team at not travel a call also on your list Centara Mirage Beach Resort I've got some friends going there over the holidays as well this is proper um, all inclusive options there as well but you also can just do your breakfast JA Lakeview um, I have to say such a great hotel at this time of year love 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 um, heading up to Jebel Ali Matt thank you so much we've had a couple of messages going where can we find the deals is the best thing to do Donata travel website yeah please yeah just either give us a call on 800 Donata or WhatsApp 800 Donata that's, that's immediate communication with our team um, or check the website as well brilliant happy holidays to you enjoy Mank thank you very and, much and um, I'll have a think for you for New Year's Eve thank well, you Merry well, Christmas between us we'll sort it out <laughs> Matt Blemix speaking to uh, us here on Dubai I 3.8 if you want those deals you can just send me the word travel I'll send you the website um, and I hope you're having a great afternoon It has been one of the hottest topics in healthcare in 2023, weight loss medication. Um, And we're ending the year by having a little reflect on what it's all about. Um, Joining us from King's College Hospital, we've got Dr. Emran Khan to shed some light. He's an expert in obesity, endocrinology, and indeed on hand today. Um, We're from King's College Hospital Diabetes and Endocrine Centre, heading up a multidisciplinary team of UK qualified consultants. Dr. Emran, how are you? Uh, Thank you very much. Very well. Good. That's the answer I want from a doctor, an advert for your, for your own, uh, own good living. Um, I'm so interested in this topic because we've seen reports. I know lots of people who've tried this medication um, and I'm keen to get a bit of the origin story, if you don't mind. So when we're talking about weight loss medication, we are talking about injections in, in particular today. So thank you for shedding some light. Would you mind telling us about some of the key brand names, medication names that we're going to be discussing over the course of the afternoon? So uh, thanks very much. Uh, This is certainly topical and uh, every dinner party or wherever few people get together talk about it Mm -hmm. because actually it needs to be discussed because 
it is uh, a groundbreaking revolution you know in in medical science uh, you know like we developed antibiotics penicillin first came it was groundbreaking then we have a lull and then something new and uh, exceptional comes and i can see this class of drugs being a, a big game changer in in our practice in endocrinology and reducing patients complications for all their health uh, issues mm-hmm. and uh, as we know uh, obesity is the sort of mother of all evil uh, you know you name it all the conditions such as you know diabetes cholesterol uh, fatty liver cirrhosis arthritis psychological trauma polycystic ovary syndrome i can go on the list cancers of all sorts everything end of the day is associated in one way or the other by obesity and improving that we know that it can make remarkable improvements so mm-hmm. these are new drugs in the pipelines some are going to come in the next years because now the doors are open for more research uh, the first two ones uh, i i know i'm going on a bit no 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 the first two Go, uh, the first, yeah go ahead no just yeah, i'd love i think i personally find it really interesting to when you're comparing it to likes of penicillin because we think about new drugs and we've got this immediate suspicion of you know Oh well, I'm I'm not sure I'd want to be in the first wave of trying those, or is it a cheat's way out? You know all of these things, and I, I think it's actually a really valuable comparable to say, you know, it, it's potentially life changing and changing the face of healthcare in such a significant way as penicillin did, in you know during during its time, its discovery, its implementation to patients. Um, so tell us about the names we need to know. So there are two uh, hormones or drugs which are now licensed for weight loss. Uh, one is the uh, semaglutide, which is sold previously as Ozempic and now uh, rebranded for obesity in particular and licensed called Vigovi. And the new newer kid on the block, which uh, is the one I, I spoke to you about about a year back, uh which is uh, monjaro uh, and everyone's talking about that and uh, the ingredient is terzepatide and now has been rebranded or licensed for weight loss uh even without patients uh, uh having diabetes mm-hmm. and it's called zepbound now this caused a little bit of confusion uh, just to clarify both of these are now licensed for weight loss per se last year or a few months back it was only licensed for uh, patients with diabetes but we were using it under a specialist uh, supervision as off label for weight loss but now it's uh, absolutely kosher and it's got the license by FDA and all other authorities including uh, most of the countries uh, Australia Canada UK and Europe to be used just purely for weight loss with people who require it not uh, as a fashion item as, mm-hmm. as some people are using yes well um, that's what i wanted to bring bring up actually in terms of we have have seen people misusing it um but in terms of if someone comes to you in the kidio clinic dr amran and um they are asking for this medication what are some of the questions you'd be asking what are some of the you know measurements you'd be taking to make sure that they would be a good candidate for weight loss medication in this form yes uh, uh thanks very much alan it's perfect one is i would straight away say as you mentioned it has to be done under medical supervision uh, and it has to be done by people who know what they're talking about and the 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 people right uh, doctor or physician or specialty for that is an endocrinologist who have been using these medications for diabetes have had extensive experience with it 
and at King's uh, Institute of Diabetes, Endocrine, and Obesity, named Kidio, we have you know expert consultants, all UK trained with this experience. Uh, using it without consultation from an endocrinologist is really not appropriate. Um, how do we assess? Well, again, it's a multidisciplinary. We take a holistic approach. Uh, we obviously go through the history, highlight you know eating disorders. We highlight uh, where their diabetes, insulin resistance, um, where their fatty liver or cirrhosis is concerned. So we look at the whole issue, cholesterol, everything, and then decide what's best for them. So it's not one size fits all, and mm-hmm. one dose is right for everyone and then approach the treatment uh, accordingly. In terms of weight loss goals, you know, if someone comes to you and say, I want to lose five kilos, or if someone comes to you and say, I want to lose 50, um, do you have a number in mind where this can be particularly beneficial? Uh, Again, uh, as I mentioned, it's not one one size fits all. We know that from statistics and research that 15% body weight loss is the cure or if I may say, you know, the the major thing that makes a a change to their diabetes, cholesterol, arthritis, everything, Mm -hmm. cancers and so on. So we're looking for that. And so we're looking for something like, you know, uh, 15 kilos weight loss in an average, you know, uh, person, let's say average if I say 100 kilos, that's a bit too much, but we're looking at that. And how much can, you know, Manjaro uh, do uh, again depends on the person, their circumstances. But my experience, and I would say extensive over the last uh, you know year and a half, we're getting about one kilo per week weight loss, which is quite substantial mm-hmm. uh, weight loss. And uh, and and again, you know, in my 30 years of endocrine and dealing with obesity, I've not seen such a magical, if I may use that word, drug, which is you know really miraculous how how it is helping people with minimal side effects which which I can talk about. Yes, I want to talk about the side effects in just a minute in a minute, but I want to find out first how it works. And I know as you said you've been an endocrinologist for, for some time, so please don't be too doctorly with us. Um what what is happening in the body when someone takes so, a drug like Monjaro? So it's it's very I could put it very simply, but basically we have a normal mechanism where the intestines produce a hormone uh, which sends a signal to the brain and saying the stomach's full, don't send any more food. So it affects the hunger, hunger uh, center. And what Manjaro does, or which is the hormone which is called GLP or GIP, I won't go too technical there, it sends a signal to the brain at the hunger center uh, and the reward center to say you, you, you don't need to eat. Mm-hmm. So the cravings or the interest in food falls down, you feel fuller, and when you say reward center, you know, when you don't have chocolate, it's okay. But if you have one piece, you want the rest of the bar and, the, you know, it goes. So that's the reward center. So it affects that. So you have one piece and then you say, oh, that was good. And you stop there. And similarly with food, you stop eating large portions. And hence, obviously, it's uh, about calories. So you're eating less. Mm-hmm. So then you're losing weight uh, because you're eating less calories. Um you mentioned something which I'd pick up on. You said a shortcut to weight loss. Mm. Uh, <laughs> that's an interesting comment. And uh, I think this, the, the, because of this new way and because we know obesity is the crux of all the problems, we're talking here of preventative medicine. Mm. So rather than people having arthritis and then losing weight, diabetes, then losing weight, you know, 
having the problem and losing weight the idea is not to have the condition so you don't have all the other problems I think that's a really good point, especially when we look at other parts of the world, you know, looking at the NHS in the UK in particular, which are so stressed and strained because of obesity related issues and comorbidities. And I think the way we talk about obesity has changed and rightly so over the last few years about it being a disease to be treated. You know, it, it's it's had an awful lot of stigma recently and it's it's interesting to think about it being treated in a different way. Um can we talk side effects? Because anecdotally, I know people that have really struggled with some gut issues. I've known other people that have completely sailed through it. What do we need to know about the side effects of weight loss medications, such as Monjaro? Uh, uh, thanks again. Uh, yes, it is, you know, obesity should and is now considered as a chronic disease, just like high cholesterol, high blood pressure. You know, you take treatment for it because it's beyond you. And similarly, uh, we shouldn't take obesity as the, you know, a moral failure, just go on and do this and do this. If it was that easy, all the people who have been trying uh, are not, uh, you know, they, they, they have the understanding, but it's not possible. Mm-hmm. The side effects, uh, the common ones in about 10% uh, is nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, constipation, but it's all manageable and uh, we, we help and support the patients through that. Uh, the smaller print side effects which are documented are gallbladder stones and pancreatitis, inflammation pancreas. Again, we know any weight loss will cause potentially gallbladder stone issues, and it's about 2% potential issues. Now, uh, touch wood, uh, I've only had amongst my, you know, thousands, I would say, patients, I've only had one patient with a gallbladder stone issue, but then gallbladder stone issues are common anyway. Mm -hmm. So uh, they might have had it, uh, you know, regardless. And then there's a bit of a hype about thyroid cancer. I think that's overplayed. Uh, It was discovered in rats when they they did that, that there was a small percentage who developed a particular type of thyroid cancer, which is very rare itself. Now, I've never seen it because one, I don't treat rats and only humans, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> never come across it, but I think that's overplayed. Then the other thing that I see patients seeing from the social media is about uh, gut paralysis. And again, uh, uh, you know, with, with uh, such a lot of experience now, I've not come across this at all, uh, uh, and, and I hope I don't. And I think that's also exaggerated uh, uh, reporting by, uh, by some apprehensive patients. You know, when penicillin came, people spoke against it. You know, and yes, some people may not tolerate penicillin and we have to give them alternatives. And similarly, yes, it may be not right for certain people and uh, we will find find alternatives. Well, thank you so much. I think you've spoken so, so clearly about something a lot of people have been confused about. Um, so thank you for your time today, Dr. Amran Khan. With your permission, if anyone wants to get in touch, would it be OK to send your website at King's, at the, the, you know, the Kidio Institute, so people can find out a little bit more? Yes, uh, that'll be great. We're here. We're full team here with the trained consultant, uh, UK trained consultant endocrinologist, and we'll provide you the support and the ethical support of mm-hmm. uh, management uh, in in a you know supervised manner. Well, thank you so much. Wishing you a happy and healthy holiday period. Um, really appreciate your time, Dr. Amran Khan, consultant endocrinologist, diabetologist there at King's College Hospital. If you want his details, just send me the word doc and I will hook you up. This content is for informational purposes only and does not intend to substitute professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. 
I know it's not January yet, but we're talking about how to make your resolutions stick. And who better was someone who specializes in behavioral science? Irfan Arif is with us today, the director of Develop Minds, as we look at behavioral science. Why are you interested in this area? Why have you decided to dedicate, I don't say dedicate your life, but make it your life's work? Oh, it's, got, it's a long story, but I'll try and keep it short. <laughs> but I, I actually start when I was 14, actually, as a uh, 40-year-old in Sheffield, growing up in Sheffield in the UK, around when, I don't know if you remember the National Front, their racism. Yeah. Where's right? this going? But yes, yeah, go yeah, on. But I, it's, 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 my, it's my kind of origin story. Really? Uh, but my sliding doors moment, I was stood in front of a school uh, with a group of lads similar to myself, mm-hmm. looks Asian, uh, black and Asian lads, and ready to retaliate against a group of white lads who had done something to someone from us. So it was a very race-based uh, kind of conflict. Yeah. And um, I remember I had, a, I had a big machete in my jacket. <sighs> And I dropped it and I said to my friends, guys, this is not going to end right. And um, I dropped it and I said, I'm off. And I left. And that was kind of the moment I kind of, kind of in my interest in why people do what they do, you know, why society is designed the way it is and so forth. And from then on, I kind of, everything I did was geared towards understanding people. Did you understand yourself in that moment why you dropped it? What, what that sliding doors moment, that decision you'd made? My, my, the sole point at that point for me was, first of all, I'm going the wrong, this could end up very wrong and I could end up in a very different, different kind of uh, walk of life. But for myself, it was, why is it, why am I treated the way I'm treated because Mm. of my skin colour? Um, so yeah it started a lot about myself in terms of also how easily influenced I am because I was influenced by a group of people other lads and, and, and same with them who were they influenced by mm-hmm. so, and what, so what drives that what motivates us to kind of behave in those certain ways and you know what, what are the triggers what are the cues so when we look at what behavioural science is it's not psychology as such, and it's not sociology as such. How do you describe it? It's actually a mixture of all, all of the above, and also economics. So um, you, you might have come across the term behavioural economics. Now, behavioural economics comes from the idea... So economics basically states that people are rational. The assumption is that they're rational. You give them the right information and the right education, they will maximise their utility. Mm-hmm. However, behavioural economics and behavioural sciences are actually not. No, there's a there's a lot more nuance yeah, to behaviour. Absolutely, yeah. So we're not as rational as we like to think, and so um, it's understand. Behavioural science is about understanding the nuance of behaviour and decoding that behaviour. So, in your work, then, at Develop Minds, what have you got a typical day, or what kind of work do you do? As such, it, it's it's my work is so varied, and I always kind of think about how what's the best way to explain this it's there's one aspect of it is with individuals and that's again habit change habit formation helping people kind of through startups and founders for example how can you become more kind of productive and, and so forth mm-hmm. and the other side is organization organizational change for example if an organization has a toxic culture how do you turn that into one that's inclusive psychologically safe high performing innovative and so forth and so it's all focused on behavior and then the other stream is Things like um, products design. So how do you design your environment, products in a way that takes into account the nuance of behaviour? This is so interesting. When you go to a dinner party and people talk to you about what you do, do you have any kind of gems or stories or facts that you're like, they're going to love this? Well, I always start off with a question. I always, a couple of questions. I always say, think about when you drive, for example. Um, You've got music on loud. When you park up, do you put the volume down or do you keep it loud? Turn it down. Turn it down. Why do you turn it down? I'm parking and I'm concentrating. <laughs> exactly, because there's cognitive load, right? So your brain kind of needs that time. And and another question, when you go for a networking event or you've gone somewhere new and you don't know many people... Who do, do, you, do I hide in the toilet? Yes, I do. Uh, either to, either, either that, that or who, do you, who are you drawn to? 
normally someone that would work there and might help me a little bit. So it's, there's a discomfort there, yeah, right? Massive. But subconsciously, when you go into a new place, when you meet new people, your brain makes a decision about who it likes, who it trusts, who it um, finds competent or even attractive within the first 30 to 40 milliseconds. So milliseconds. Milliseconds. So before you've even consciously kind of registered that person, your brain's already categorized that person is to like and not like. And that's from years and years of experience of how you, who you see as good, who you see as bad and, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. But can you undo that when you're coming back to your example around racism? You know, if people have that self-awareness and think this is not who I want to be. Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's two parts to it. There's a conscious and there's the unconscious. Now, consciously, people can have very kind of... Um, progressive values of you know well inclusion is important you know skin color doesn't matter all of that kind of stuff but subconsciously we still carry with us what i call stereotypes uh unconscious biases Mm -hmm. of how we see different people so even though so i'll give you a quick example of stereotypes there's a stereotype whenever i do workshops i ask people to give me examples and they always say women are bad drivers (sighs) as a stereotype right now i don't have to believe that stereotype for it to have an impact on my behavior. Mm-hmm. If I'm driving down the road and somebody kind of almost knocks me over, subconsciously I might turn around and think, oh, I must be a woman, even though it's not. If it's a man, instead, what my brain will say is, ah, that's, that's an exception to the rule. It's not interesting. Right? But, you know, so that's, that's the battle between conscious and subconscious. So yeah, absolutely we can change, but we have to think about what's influencing my categories, going back to those categories of likes, dislikes. What are the stereotypes I'm always aware of? Joining us in studio from Developed Minds, we've got Director Irfan Arif. We are going to be talking about exactly that habit forming. Um, it's been a really hot topic in self-help books over the last few yeah. years. We're going to be discussing how to optimise what you do, what you don't do to set yourself up for 2024. When is the best time to create a new habit? Is it January 1st? Are we suddenly a new person upon the strike of midnight? I suspect not. But what does the expert have to say? We're getting you set up for January, the time when so many of us decide that we are a completely new person with so much more motivation than we had just 24 hours ago. What are some of the things that we can be doing now or indeed what should we be doing then to make new habits stick? Talking behavioural science today with Director of Developed Minds, Irfan Arif. So um, when is the best time to create a new habit, Irfan? Well, actually, the, the, the easiest and kind of most effective time is actually when you are about you, you maybe you're going through some kind of change in your life that's when you're like you're kind of you're kind of uprooted a little bit so uh, moving house buying a new car or something significant and i know that's that's not always possible but generally that's when habits are most likely to stick why is that it's just because you you're already out of your kind of normal routines i mean 70 percent of our waking behavior up to 70 percent is our, our habitual right so a lot of what we do is automatic because when we think about habits Oh, so many of those, we might have habits that we don't even realise are actual habits. I, I think when we think about habits, it's, we're thinking, it's about thinking about it from, and kind of think about it as automatic behaviours. What's, what's automatic for me? So for myself, I know that sometimes without even realising it, I will walk to the fridge and I will look for chocolate. <laughs> now, that's my kind of weak spot. <laughs> knowing that it hasn't been bought. <laughs> knowing it hasn't been bought, I will still look for it. And I know what, we haven't bought any, but I'm looking and I'm looking just in case it's hidden. Mm-hmm. I'm, still, I'm still seeking it out. Right, because that's a strong. You can call, maybe I might call that an addiction, but also mm, it's still a it's still a habit there as well. And but there's a cue to, it, and that's so going back to the habit there. There's a cue for that. Why I go to the fridge is if I'm sat watching a football match or uh, a movie or something. I have a, a connection with sitting there and watching a the film that I have to have something sweet. 
Interesting. Okay, what other habits might people have that, you know, maybe people come to you and say, I want to get out of this habit? I think you've got kind of behavioural habits um, that might be in terms of how, how whether, whether you are confident talking to people, whether, you know, so you might be that you go into a public space and you automatically kind of shut down or you kind of resort to kind of think, well, I'm just going to go sit in the corner somewhere. Um, again, even that becomes a habit. It's a cue, that environment of the public the public environment, the social environment, it triggers a behaviour in you mm-hmm. and that becomes a repeat and repeat behaviour. The other thing might be around exercise, might be around diets, healthy diets, bad diets and so forth. So exercising is a really interesting one. You know, how easy is it to get into, start exercising? Okay, now this is a genuine yeah. plea from me, right? Yeah. I am lucky enough to speak to experts all the time. I know exactly what I need to do. Yeah. I'm getting older. I'm a woman. I should be doing more weight-bearing exercise, osteoporosis, yeah. da 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 I have exercise equipment. I've got somewhere I can exercise. I could, if I really thought about it, find half an hour every day. Why can't I do it? Why Why can't I get out of my own way? It's interesting. I'd like to find out more why. But, uh, <laughs> can we but do I, that off but, air? Yeah, but I, th- I, think, I think it's interesting because... I think it's understanding where's the friction coming from. So what happens is... I'd rather sit down. So even then, I mean, you have an intention, right, that I want to exercise. That's the first question. Do I want to exercise? No, not really, but I think I should. You think you should? Yeah. So your goal... So there's two types of... If you want to... There's two types of habit formation. There's goal goal kind of directed habit formation. Mm. I want to get... Let's just say I want to be able to run... A 10k Okay, that's a really good distinction because when I was training for Kilimanjaro, my motivation was I don't want to be crying on the side of a mountain in the dark. So that's a a specific goal that you're doing it for, right? The other habit type is identity-based. I want to be seen as a fit person, Mm. for example. So depending on the type of habit, they might take two different kind of roots in that sense. But it's understanding understanding where are the friction points. Now, if I don't have the motivation, I mean, give you a quick quick model in behavioral science in a, a, a framework that often health professionals and various kind of uh, national level that they use is something called the COMB model. COMB is C O M, C for um uh, competence or capability, O for opportunity, um and M for motivation. All these three are your kind of ingredients you need for effective behavior change. Um, that could be psychological. So to com- from a competence and capability perspective, let's assume you want to start moving from your car to your bike. I want to stop driving, whatever, right? Um, so do I have the capability to ride a bike, right? Can I ride a bike? Secondly, opportunity. Do I have the opportunity to ride a bike? Are there cycle lanes? Mm-hmm. At work, is there somewhere to park the bike? Every time I have to think about doing something is a bit of friction that's going to stop me from doing it. And finally, motivation. Is it intrinsic? Is it extrinsic, right? Am I motivated by other people in the sense that I want to be like a group of my friends? Or is that coming from deep within? Again, identity-based. Do I want to be seen as something? Or do, want to, do I want to build something here? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's always about thinking about what are the steps involved? How many steps are involved? How easy is it? Right? Alex is asking, is there any truth in the 21 days to form a habit? Some truth. Um, when I say some truth, there's some. There's a study done. I think it was 2010 um, that says it's the habit change takes anything between 18 and around 254 days. <laughs> That's right? a very big range because it's it's variable. It depends on the individual. It mm. depends on the type of habit you're trying to change. And I think sometimes yes, there's the, at a very simplistic level. You stick to something for long enough, it will become automatic, right? But then depending on your motivation, if you happen to, let's just say, miss that habit for one day, 
from a neuro, neuro, neuro kind of um, neuroscience perspective, you have to go back and start all over again. That 21 day will start all over again. Mm-hmm. So it's how you frame your habits from the very beginning. Am I framing the habit? I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself. If I am, there's a higher chance I might fail. What about being accountable? What kind of role does coaching, a buddy, you know, even being accountable to yourself? Because it's the thing, if I go to the yeah. gym, I'm like, I'll do half an hour. I'm like, no, I'll do 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. How, how can that play a role? I mean, accountability is an interesting one. I mean, one thing as human beings, naturally we do, what we do naturally is we um, conform to social norms and we conform to social what we call social proofing we we look to our peers either to help us so to be part of that kind of crowd or whatever that is or to see that some something that other people are doing work so how often do you see something on instagram and think ah i need to do that mm-hmm. or i'm going to go to this particular place because it's got good reviews so we really are we are really are influenced by other people and yes personal accountability is really important but again it comes back from why your re- your core reasons if my reasons aren't that strong Accountability. I'm not going to give myself punish punish myself for it. I'm not going to hold myself accountable. If I fail, I fail, and I can just kind of move on. Now, it is only December, but da, 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 yeah. January's around the corner. Um, yeah. For anyone that is really determined, and it might be food, it might be exercise, it could be a career change, it could yeah. be finding love, whatever yeah. that might be. Um, what expert advice, as a behavioural scientist, um, yeah. would you say can, we can put in place? Physically, emotionally, to help those intentions stick. I think always focus on the behavior or behaviors that will that that form the habit. Start off with your environment, because ask yourself: Is my environment supportive? The environment that I want to change this in. So, if it is, if I want to change um, my my diet, if I want to go be more and uh, more, um, um, if I want to do more exercise, whatever that is. Does my environment allow me to do that? If, for example, in our in my fridge we've always got unhealthy food, then the environment isn't susceptible to that. So I have to use a lot more willpower. Then mm-hmm. that makes it a lot harder. Uh, secondly, also make make sure you leverage your context. So whatever your context is. So, for example, are there any other habits you can piggyback on? Stacking. Stacking is in the, yeah, absolutely. So can you can you can you uh, or lynch lynch linchpin is called linchpin habits where you use where you where you kind of build off other habits that automatically allow you to do do other ones. So for example, I uh, I know that as a as a habit, I regularly I regularly go to the gym. Part, another part of that is that I will regularly eat healthier because I'm going to the gym. Right, so that's a, kind of another habit based off this habit. And then the other one is make it easy. It has to be easy. And if it's not easy, then then it's going to be difficult. Going to the gym, for example, have your gym gym kit ready, or even sleep in your gym kit if you want to go in the morning. Right? <laughs> I just started. I just started my kind of boxing and jiu-jitsu in the morning at six a.m. And I know I'm never going to get there if I get up at half five and I have to start thinking about what, where, what wear. I'm wearing, what, what all of that. I will just give up and I'll go back to bed. Think about your future self. Think about your future self, make and you always easy. remember your brain is trying to make your life as easy as possible, as easy as possible. And sometimes we have to go through that discomfort. And I always say to people, get be comfortable with being uncomfortable, because without that discomfort, we we're, you're never going to get through it. There's no growth. Yeah. Um, any recommended reading, whether it's um, your own research, any books that can be useful on this topic. I mean, most accessible, easy, easy kind of habit habit book is Atomic Habits by James Cleary. Clearly, I think his name is. Um, that's 
accessible in the sense that it's written in a kind of clear way. I often come from an academic perspective, and so there's a lot of there's a lot of research out there. There's a lot of kind of frameworks you can use. But I would, if you just for simple habits that you want to implement in your own life, a couple of key things is just make sure that they're as easy as possible. Um, that your context allows that you've got the support, um, and then you think about the reward as well at the end of the end of it or during it. Right. I mean, that's another conversation about reward. We'll have that conversation yeah. soon, I hope. Thank you yeah. so, so much, Irfan Arif. And for anyone who wants to reach you directly at Develop Minds, what's the best way of getting uh, in contact? Website, develop, www.developminds.com. Or if you're, if you're happy, connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn uh, or Twitter. All the usual routes. Yeah. All the platforms. Thank yeah. you so much. Really, really interesting. And um, sleeping in my gym kit. That's my big takeaway. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.